Welcome to Alternatives to AA. This is Joshua Robinson, and I've been three years sober. And I'm Monique Robinson, and I'm two years sober. And we're here on a mission to help make the difficult journey of sobriety even easier to manage. Nobody in my world ever thought that I'd actually manage to be sober. So now we're taking what we've learned in the last decade to be able to help you too. And we're not against AA. We just need to learn how to manage the other 23 hours of the day. From communication to relationships to self-care, we're going to show you how to cope when your triggers try to take you down. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. to uncover not only how to live without alcohol, but to thrive in sobriety and to swap out your addiction for a better life with the help of Alternatives to AA. So let's go. Hey guys, welcome to Alternatives to AA. Uh, In this episode, we're going to talk about friendships and how to maintain them uh, throughout your transition into a sober lifestyle. The one thing that we ran into a big problem with AA is the fact that most of our friends were drinkers in some capacity. And it could be they were a very casual drinker, just one and they were done, but still in some capacity, they were drinkers. So the question is, how do you keep those friends and how do you get sober? Um, So the first thing you can try is you try to find new places to go with your friends. Um, Things that you had in common that brought you together in the first place. Um, And this could be something like going to a creative class together. It could be like painting or pottery or like going on walks in a park or going to each other's houses to just spend time together. You know, things that you used to be able to do without the accompaniment of the drink. Um, And it can even be like making dinner together. So like getting all the ingredients, getting a complicated dinner going. So that way you guys are making the dinner, talking and just spending time. Mm. Um, You can just try new things because it just seems and we know that it's hard sometimes uh, to do that, trying new things that might be out of the ordinary for you. So that's why we're suggesting starting at places that we know you're comfortable with. Um, So like things that I was comfortable with. I, I would walk for days. Don't ask me to run, but I can walk for days. So Josh and I would go to like the park and stuff and just walk. And first we started just walking a little lighter because, you know, it was a little too much for me and we've built up to it a little bit more. So you can try things like that because it can make it normal for you and even normal for your friend too, which is nice. Yeah. So there will probably be friends uh, that your only common ground is addiction and with those friends, you know, you just got to keep them at a distance. Mm-hmm. And um, when trying to get sober, uh, many people in AA recommend, you know, severing all those ties, um, you know, because you don't want to be by someone that's drinking that might trigger you. Uh, how realistic is this, though? That's the question I'd like to ask, right? No, I I mean, it's very, it's something really important to think about because if you're trying to sever ties, you could be causing unnecessary damage to a lifelong friendship that you really need, that you really count on, um, you know, that you might want in the future. And if you just cut them off, like you might, you're not going to have them, you know, like you have to really think that through. Um, like, especially because like, what do you do if every single one of your family members and friends drink? I mean, like, you know, you should just stay in your room all day. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like you'd end up trapped, you would have nothing to do. So you just have to safely start to let yourself out with the people that you want to be with. Biggest thing where you're questioning, 
what is more important? Is my sobriety more important? Are my relationships more important? Well, the truth is both are very important. So severing them, it would just, I don't, we don't think it brings as much of a benefit as you're told. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want to say to that, that's all or nothing mentality, which mm -hmm. most addicts have. Yeah. Um, which can sometimes be beneficial, but it's all or nothing. Like, okay, if I'm going to be sober, I can't hang out with like almost my entire friend group. Mm -hmm. Then you isolate yourself more. And then eventually what usually ends up happening is um, you're just drinking by yourself. So yeah. instead of at least having company, now you're by yourself. And that's even That's way, way more worse. dangerous. Yeah, more dangerous because there's no one to say like, chill out, dude. You had... 20 mm -hmm. drinks already. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. Cause, you know, and especially you're not gonna get kicked out of the bar, <laughs> right? You're not going to get kicked out of the bar for having too much. And that there's no, annoying, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I never got kicked out of a bar, but trust me, if I drank at the bar, like I did sometimes at home, I would have, yeah. um, but like, that was the thing. I had no one at all telling me I taken too much so i also then was able to trick myself justify. into thinking yeah justify it into thinking i didn't have nearly as much as i did i would literally tell myself that a double shot glass was a single shot glass just to make myself feel better sometimes yeah i mean it's so crazy how you can trick yourself like that yeah and people do that with wine as well They'll say, oh, I had one glass of wine, which is four ounces, mm -hmm. but most people's glass of wine is eight to 12 ounces, so it's two to three drinks instead of one. Yeah. Next thing you know. But you only poured it once, so it's one drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Just overdo it, mm -hmm. and then you tell yourself, well, you know, it wasn't really that much, but then the whole uh, bottle of wine's gone. It's like that that song, uh, there's a hole in the bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> I know what Which song you're hilarious. I know what song you're talking about, but I can't even like bring it off the top of my head right now. It's been a while since I heard that one. Yeah, it's a country song. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that happens all the time. And then what's really embarrassing, you know, when when I used to drink at least is um uh you know, the next day you you see how much you drank. Yeah. And then you're like Okay, I thought I thought I had like maybe three or four, but then you realize, you know, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, like the truth is I could tell myself I only had three or four drinks. But then when I wake up in the morning, I realize that a third of a handle is gone. That's not three or four drinks. That's a lot more than three or four drinks, but I might have only poured it three or four times, hmm. you know, so I'll you could trick yourself very easily with that stuff. Yes. So the importance of relationships in addiction is so crucial. I mean, that's why they want you to develop new relationships in the rooms. And yes, it is important to find people that are understanding. It is important to find people who are like-minded, mm -hmm. but you can find that by looking up things on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. You don't necessarily have to isolate yourself to just the people in that room because also the people in your town might not be the best sober friends for you. It might be someone who lives across the country because they're just more like you. Mm. You know, you have to, you don't ever want to get yourself in an isolation space. I mean, with COVID, that is where all of us in the world, I think we really started to take a step back on the importance of never isolating. Mm. I mean, 
think about it. The people who are mentally the strongest in the world, the Olympians, you know, like the ones that push their bodies to the absolute breaking point, they got over there and they were alone and they couldn't take it because they didn't have their support. And yeah, okay, they had their support back in the States, but you know, their support might've been asleep when they needed to panic to them or their support might've, you might have been at work while they needed to talk to them. They weren't right there. I mean, you see it all the time with little kids. You show up to their event, they could go from crying, thinking no one's there for them, to the biggest smile in the world. It just changes everything when you have support. So that's why Josh and I are really against the idea of cutting people off. Yes, changing your environment. Yes, changing your situation to keep you safe but totally cutting people off unless they're the one that just constantly is pouring you that drink. So they are truly a bad influence. We don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. So support mm -hmm. is really devalued in America because we are a society that, um, you know, pretty much thinks that we should just do make it on our own. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not realistic at all, but no, you know, and, and that's really what's what's uh, what's hurting us as a, a society nowadays. Um, we need to support each other more. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, when you support people or they support you, the other thing is like in the past that was maybe perceived as weak or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of people have trouble with it. But it only makes you and the people around you stronger. Um, Not only that, but like sometimes people don't support each other because they're like, well, I need to be making money. So my time is worth something else. But the thing is, when you support people without that incentive, like, you know, it's genuine, you know, they're just there because they care. And when you can kind of do that kind of stuff, no matter how bad your day is, you can remind yourself of those memories. And that can be fulfilling mm -hmm. on a day like when you're diving down deep into a hole, um, you know, especially with addiction, that's so easy to do to get into a hole of depression, a hole of like, why am I doing this? Why am I trying? Why am I putting in all this effort? It's very easy. So it's so important to be able to hold on to those moments with the people you love the most, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that's why like Josh and I are just so against cutting people off because I have tried to do that in the past. And really the only person that got hurt was me because the people that I cut off, I mean, truthfully, they weren't getting hurt by my drunkenness anymore. So they probably just were realizing like their day was a little easier, but like they still like it didn't affect them like it did me where I was then sitting at home with my cat and like just mad that I had no one to spend time with. You know, that's right very cute. That's one of our cats. That's Charlie. <laughs> um, but I would get, you know, upset that I was home alone with cat, <laughs> you know, when all I wanted to do was be able to be with people, but I, you have to do it safely. And that's just really the big difference. You just have to make sure that you're safe. So, yeah. And, and I was going off a lot of the stuff you're saying. Um, I was listening to, uh, Jim Carrey talked the other day mm -hmm. and he was talking about how, you know, the, the currency isn't really the money mm -hmm. it's, it's helping people out. And that's, 
the most important thing, but it's very easy to lose that. Mm -hmm. But even if you want to talk about currency, like the dollar, um, you get it for helping people. So if you're better at helping people, you get more money. True. So that's the goal no matter what. Mm -hmm. If your goal is you just want money or you want to help people, either way, the result's the same. Yeah. But, and like, you do tend to just, you feel, it doesn't even, like, people put so much stock on money these days. And yes, money's important. You need it to, like, pay for your house, your food, like, things like that. We're not dismissing it at all. Like, you need a job, you need money. But you need to be able to be fulfilled when you're there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to try to just always get a job that you're just sucking your soul away because sometimes the truth is a job that sucks your soul can actually lead you to your addiction oh, yeah. because 100%. you're, because you're in so much emotional pain during the day and your job, let's be honest, people, your job is half your life. You know, once you become an adult, mm-hmm. it is half your life. Yeah. So if you're having something that half of your life, it's sucking the life out of you, you know, that is just a recipe to lead to addiction because addiction, where addiction comes from, it's pain. Like you're in pain, you're trying to mask some pain, but then you're in pain because you can't stop the behavior. You know, like it's a cycle of pain. That's all addiction is. Nobody wants it. Nobody jumps in saying like, I want to be addicted to alcohol. It's going to be such a fun journey. (laughs) Nobody ever starts like that. And sometimes it does feel like from like an addict perspective that it feels like some people just look at you like, so why'd you even start? And you're like, I didn't start just to like be here. I started because it was nice to have a drink and relax with my friends. I started because it was nice to have a drink and dance on the floor. Like, you know, I started because it would make me and all my friends laugh more. You, it always starts from a place of innocence, you know, and like, sometimes it's like to cover things, but you know, addicts aren't addicts because they're enjoying every moment of it by any means. And that's something like I wanted people to hear too, because I just, that was the thing that hurt the most when people would tell me just to stop, just stop drinking. Okay. But you don't understand what it's like. Like, yes, of course I can put down the bottle, but it's not like water where it's like my body like wants it and it feels good. It's literally my brain, my body like reacts to it. Like, you know, like you just, you have a, like a literal physical rope pulling you to it. Like I remember when I didn't have it in the house, feeling a pull like towards the store, Mm. like that my body wanted to go to the store before I even realized that I was going to the store. Like instinctual. Yeah. Like it was like my body was moving that way, trying to get me out of the house to get to the store with, before I even realized it. Yeah. Um, so, but back to the topic that we're really trying to talk about, which is the importance of friendships, even, even with that pull, like that was one thing that was wonderful, um, for me when Josh came into my life, um, when I had that pull, even before he lived with me, I could tell him that I was having the pull. I didn't always admit it right away and I should have, but again, that's in, in the addiction. You don't, you're not always honest, but when I felt the pull, like I was able to talk to Josh about it and we were able to talk it out. So that way I didn't act on the pull. Maybe, maybe we pulled 
back against it together. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good explanation. Like we you know, like, kind of pulled somebody else behind you. Like you're pulling, like tug of war. Yeah. So it was pulling you towards it, but you just need some support mm-hmm. from other people. Like it could be me or somebody else, and that's yeah. that's the whole reason what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And AA, like we love. I mean, I loved going um, here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the things are just unrealistic yeah um just about you know what we're talking about before just the friendships like Mm -hmm. oh if they drink just cut them off and we'll go into more detail but like you know 80 to 90 percent of people drink to some extent so who are you gonna hang out with yeah your grandma she probably has a drink at night (laughs) so you're just gonna literally cut yourself off from everyone and then that's really sad it is but i mean Obviously, I think you've gotten the idea that our opinion on whether or not to cut people off is an absolute no, mm-hmm. you know, unless they are the one that's handing you the drug. Yeah, bad influence. You know, they're they're the only ones that need to be cut off completely. Everyone else, it's it's a case-by-case case kind of a thing. You know, if they're the ones that can hang out and they understand what you're going through— they might be like, okay, let's go to the beach. Nobody bring drinks, you know? Like, um, even for um, my bachelorette weekend, we went to the beach. Um, by that point, I was over a year sober. And my bridesmaids, they all wanted to bring something, but, you know, they weren't sure. And I was like, I'm fine with it. As long as I'm not babysitting anyone, I'm fine. Mm. So they were all like, my bridesmaids had a couple drinks each and everybody enjoyed it. I had a great time. But that that was me asking for what I needed and they asked for what they needed and we had the best time. And... And it might be that you're not at that stage yet. Yes. So you, uh, you, that was after over a year sober. Please keep that in mind. Like that I was totally comfortable with it being in the house with me. That wouldn't have happened if it was even six months earlier. Yeah. Um, just cause, but that's because I know my limits, you know, you just have to learn yours. So, yeah, but so, um, yeah. And like without friends and, and family support, I would have never, um, been able to to quit Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't have the um the support so like we're trying to say the support you do have you know maybe try to make a compromise yeah instead of completely cutting them off maybe just ask them hey can you just not drink around me Mm -hmm. you know we can still hang out yeah and if they're a true friend and they want to see you become better they they will do that Mm -hmm. Uh, it's only a selfish person that or selfish friend that wouldn't um, be okay with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and you're just, you're asking for what you need, but you also have to be comfortable with what they need too. And if your friend says, no, I really want to drink this time, then you might have to excuse yourself and say, okay, that's great. You have fun. I don't think I can come, Hmm. you know, because that's you setting a limit too. And you guys will, you'll work through it. If you care about each other enough, you'll work through it. And most people, you know, when you get to the point where you realize that you have a problem, you've probably already whittled yourself down to the people that are going to stick with you anyway. That's true. Because you've already burned the people that are going to (laughs) run. So those people that are still in your life, 
they're willing to work it out with you. You know, whether it's your family, it's your friends. At that point, the only thing they care about is you surviving and living. And if the thing that you're asking for is, hey, don't have a drink in front of me, they'll probably do it because all they want to do is know they're not going to get that phone call that so-and-so has passed away. Because like that's that was one thing um, in the rooms, in active addiction, if my phone rang from a wrong, like a weird number, I always was thinking that it was someone I was going to lose. Um, you know, like I, w- I was like attributing it automatically to bad things, but it was because I didn't have enough positive in my life um, to like kind of counteract it. That just anytime the phone rang, something bad was happening, you know, like it was going down. <laughs> yeah, that's fairly common with. But. And like, if you have that mentality and you're already feeling so alone, it is so easy to go back to the store. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I, I'm now two years and a couple months sober, but before that I had almost made it to a year, six different times. Um, and then there was multiple times in bet- before that, that was only like a month or like a couple of months. Um, so even breaking that year mark was a big, big deal for me. Um, so, you know, you just have to, you have to learn your limits. And that was me learning my limits over the years. I, I wanted to be with people, but I didn't know to ask them for something as well. So I would get triggered by being with the people I wanted to be with because I would get tired of being alone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, then I'd go hang out with my old friends and then after hanging out with them, eventually I'd see the liquor. I'd want the liquor. Um, so I didn't know it was okay to tell my friends like, hey, I need something from you so I can come too. But it's okay to do that. Real friends, they understand that stuff. They want to do that stuff for you. They want to support you in that way. Just like I said, so they don't have to have that fear of that phone call of so-and-so is no longer with us because that's everybody's worst nightmare. Yeah. And that being said, like getting sober was the most difficult task I've ever accomplished. Um, And I do usually have a decently strong willpower, but it is 100% the fact that I would have never gotten to this point without friends and family. I needed them. I leaned on them. Because if you don't do that, when you have your bad moments, you will end up back at the store. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how I fell off the wagon every time it was because I didn't have the courage to reach out. So I'd end up at the store instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And going, going back to that, um, the support thing, mm-hmm. like the same could be said for any successful business. Um, you're not going to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have competent, um, employees and people that are, you know, thoughtful and thinking for themselves. That's the only way a business is going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember Steve Jobs talking about that, Um, you know, just how important the employees are. So everyone's important. It's not just, you don't have to, you don't have to do this yourself, even though you might feel like um, uh, that you're not like worthy to have other people Mm -hmm. help you out. You can still reach out to people and a lot of people will, you know, the ones like Monique was saying, if they're still there when you're really down, um, you shouldn't cut them off. It's just, it's just honestly, it's kind of selfish, I think. Yeah. I mean, the truth is sobriety, 
we feel like it has to be a solo journey because we're the ones that have to stop drinking. But the truth is sobriety is a journey with your friends and family because the longer I've been sober, even the more of a better connection I have back with my friends and family, you know, the ones that I was fortunate to never lose at this point, we have relationships that I couldn't even, even have dreamed of two years ago. You know, I like, I get along like with people in just such better and more positive ways. And that was in the, the responsible ones now. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Nope. No. Nope. Like, you know, it's total 180, but it's funny how quick things can turn around. Could, yeah. Could people will support, like you're saying the support, like if they see you're going on an upward trajectory, they will help keep pushing and supporting you up this, this, uh, this way. And, and you'll be astonished. Um, and it's, it'll start off really small, but it keeps, keeps adding. And next thing you know, you're just on another level and yeah. it feels great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I always felt like I was alone in the sobriety, like trying to get sober and stuff. And like, I got to give my family a lot of credit yeah, because sure. they stuck with me when I didn't deserve it sometimes. Yeah. And I like, my only regret is that my mom didn't get to see me sober longer. Hmm. Um, but like, I still know like the things that she helped me through um, when she was here, like that stuff, that support, I feel it still, you know, like, so even like that relationship, like, I'm so glad nothing ever really ter truly terrible happened there. Cause like, you know, now, especially looking back, like I realize how hard my family tried, but it was, they were trying, they just didn't know the support I needed and it wasn't their fault. They never had to deal with it. Yeah. So like they needed, you know, they needed support too. But at this point, we've all grown so much together. Like, I'm so proud of us. And, you know, like, it might sound like bull. Like, if you're brand new, what I'm saying right now might sound like I'm trying to fluff you up and tell you some bullshit to, like, keep you going, keep you like, yeah, this is the greatest idea ever. I'm not, you know, like... My relationship with my friends and family compared to two years ago, it still boggles me. Like, um, we're, we're about to be, you know, like we were engaged around this time two years ago and just even thinking about our relationships with our family and friends around that time, even like to the year last year where we got married, even to where we are now. I mean, it's just such crazy change and improvement and all for the positive, mm -hmm. You know, like there are different stresses, of course, that's just life. But like in general, everything is just so much better. And like, I don't feel like I have to hide things when I know I need something. Like if I know I'm at like a point where I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go. Everybody respects that because they know, okay, don't, don't push her because we want to keep this version. We love this version. Yeah. And, and anyone, even if they're not an alcoholic, mm -hmm. everyone deserves, um, the ability to say no, mm -hmm. if they're being pushed too hard or they don't feel comfortable. You don't have to say yes just yeah. because their family or just because that's your boss. Mm -hmm. Um, you can say no and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a huge one. And, and that's one that's being talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's so important, especially now, you know, some people since COVID and everything, 
you know, they said no to their job because mm-hmm. they're being undervalued and kind of abused uh, in like the way that, you know, they might be doing like two people's jobs and getting paid for one person's right. salary. Um, so yeah, all those, all those types of things, like it just, it just makes you a stronger, you know, it builds up your self-confidence mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's easier to not drink because, you know, you can say no easier. Yeah. <laughs> you can say no to the drinking. You can say no to this. You can say, you know, obviously you don't want to say no to everything. You want to say yes to, um, to good things. Mm-hmm. Um, but still even there, if you say yes to every good thing, you will be swamped. And we've done that before. Yes, for we sure. have. Um, so just say no. <laughs> well, just know your limits is really what it should be. Like with, with your addiction, know your limits with the amount of time that you can comfortably give, but also take care of yourself. That's one like I'm struggling with. Cause sometimes I give too much time and don't leave anything for myself. So it's, it's the whole like pouring out of pouring into a cup, but not having anything left in mind, like just pouring everything out. Um, so just working on that balance too is important. Thanks for listening to Alternatives to AA. If you would like to contact us directly, please shoot us an email at alternatives to AA 2021 at gmail.com. We also hope that you continue to join us on Mondays at 6 p.m. You can watch us live on YouTube. You can subscribe to us that way as well. You can leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Spotify. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you please leave a rating and an honest review. We'll see you next week. Bye.